This is your Week in Gaming, episode 18, recorded for the 18th of August 2023, to bring you all the latest news from the world of gaming. On today's episode of the podcast, we talk D3's final season, Phasmophobia's latest update, Don't Nod's newest game, and a huge DIY Xenon. Hello everybody and welcome back to episode 18 of your week in gaming. It's Friday and according to whatdayisit.com or some other Google, I just literally went on Google, what day is it today? And they told me that Friday is National Fajita Day. Now I'm probably butching that. I'm super sorry. <laughs> I really am. But uh, yeah, it's National Fajita Day, I guess, however you pronounce that. <laughs> My question is... <laughs> National wear. I, I I highly doubt South Africa has a national fajita day. <laughs> probably probably very much not going to be something that is celebrated here. Probably more for America and everything. So to our American audience, probably I, I would assume Mexico or anywhere else. You know, South Africa definitely doesn't celebrate this at all. But uh, happy National Fajita Day. Um, it sounds both tasty and it's a very wild day to have like a day dedicated to yourself. Um, I'm joined by my co-host, Samantha. Hello. As always. <laughs> uh, Sam, I've got a question for you. Right. Okay. You as a gamer, you know, especially on those, those long weekends or, I mean, you are in esports. So, I mean, there's some times where there's no work happening and it's just a case of you get to just sit down and play games. What is your go-to snack when gaming? Well, now, that is an excellent <laughs> question. Um, honestly, anything with a lot of sugar in it. <laughs> so like candy or like chips or as yeah. our UK friends would call them, crisps. Weirdos. Um, it makes no sense. I don't understand. I do enjoy the occasional popcorn as well. Um, that's slightly Good. more effort than, than other snacks that you just have to like open the packet popcorn unless mm -hmm. you buy the like pre-popped stuff which isn't too bad but like proper popcorn is better but then you gotta go and you gotta mm -hmm. put it in the microwave and then oh it's load shedding so you've got like half popped popcorn it's not great it's not great um <laughs> it's either that or you you go make a batch of popcorn you know on the stove or whatever the case is and then you go and grab the spices you know you went oh maybe there's a mm. butter salt that you enjoy or salt and vinegar or cheese and chives or fruit chutney whatever the fantastic flavors they are and you open up the cupboard and you either a realize that the uh, the the seasoning is off or b there's no seasoning then you have to just resort to aromat like, <laughs> if you have aromat or yeah. rock salt in the grinder <laughs> It's oh the wildest you know thing. What, you know what works, bro? Okay, if you don't have spices, you're unlikely to have this, but icing sugar. Oh, I remember having icing sugar when I was like a little kid. You know, that's what the popcorn used to have. Oh, it was a beautiful like combination of something salty with sweet. Mm -hmm. It was so good. Probably very unhealthy. If you go yes. back in time and you, you know, hindsight is perfect for this kind of thing. Very terrible. But, uh, you know, if you are going to make a decision to, to, to have some snacks, you know, whilst doing nothing but gaming, maybe try to find something that's a little bit lighter on the sugar. I think that's maybe also just because I threw a lot of icing sugar over. I had a big, I had a big, big, big uh, sweet tooth when I was a little kid. Mm, I think most of us did, to be fair. I remember when I used to put like three or four teaspoons of sugar in my coffee, and I'm just like, oh, God, how did I ever do that? That Ugh. is now age, and our taste buds are now refining. <laughs> yeah. Gaming news now and season 29 for Diablo 3 is reportedly coming out with a solo play mode that fans have been craving for years. 
right? Uh, this includes a solo-only mode as well as a rework of the endgame Paragon system. Uh, season 29 is available on the PTR as of Wednesday, and you can try this new solo cell-found mode uh, that bars you from playing with others for bonus XP or the ability to trade items. It's a pretty nifty way to separate leaderboards from group, group people as well as solos. The Paragon points will also have a limit for each stat that you can increase. Previously, you could just stat dump it, but this has changed. Now you can only have up to 200 Paragon points in attack speed, cooldown reduction, crit hit chance, and crit hit damage. Uh, the new monsters in the Visions of Enmity uh, will give monsters a chance to leave these diabolical fissures, which you can enter to fight uh, tougher monsters for higher rewards. Um, there will be new affixes as well, uh, which will help make your dungeons or rifts more of a challenge. Uh, many players are incredibly excited for this, um, with even some content creators going and saying that this is going to be the most fair season ever in the game. Diablo 3 seems to be doing better than Diablo 4 is with the, uh, with the season, season 29 versus season 1. You'd think that they would have learned their lesson from the previous ones. Season 1 for D4 has been terrible, but this sounds really, really good. And I've even seen some other Diablo 4 creators going as far back and saying they're going to go and play some Diablo 3 until D4 gets fixed. I'm glad that you added a clarification point about how it's compared specifically to season one because like Diablo yeah. 4 is like one of the top selling games of the year and it managed to reach that within a month. So I think less than. So it's still doing fine. I will say, so I have a couple of uh, things to say on this topic. First and foremost, the only really big change that I feel like this has brought is that it, so it's this, the leaderboard separation, which makes a lot of sense. I don't know why that wasn't always a thing, because obviously people in groups are going to fly faster. You get the bonus XP. You have the fact that there are more people. So like if you've got like a monk, for example, that can help with healing and stuff. No, it's not as um, like extreme as if you have like a healer in World of Warcraft, for example, but it makes a difference. Plus, a lot of these characters come with like buffs and stuff uh, of their own auras. I think it's paladins that have auras that can give you like you know, extra damage or extra whatever, whatever. So it does make a big difference playing in groups and to have solo players and group players on the same leaderboard is very silly. That being said, if you look at it solely from a, from a perspective of, I can play solo now, you could always play solo. <laughs> you are now barred from having, you know, multiplayer or trading. You could just do that to yourself. You could just close your party and just not have anybody to play with. So the big thing here yeah. is obviously the, the leaderboard separation. And then I do like the Paragon thing. I understand why they did it. I feel like it's whatever because everyone could do that. Like everyone could stat dump. So it's not like some people were given a privilege over others unless you were someone that just had more time to grind more Paragon levels to dump into that stat but at the same time mm. that advantage is still going to be given to the people who play more because they're going to reach the 200 cap faster than everyone else is so it's kind of six of one half a dozen of the other in my opinion um and then on the topic of some creators going back to D diablo 3 good <laughs> diablo 3 <laughs> is better than diablo 4 in my opinion all right i know that i will get some hate for this i know that a lot of people are going to think that i've absolutely lost my mind but and I was actually having a, a chat with one of my friends who was streaming this earlier today. And he's like, oh, I love Diablo 4. It's so much better. Like, I'm really enjoying it more than Diablo 3. And I was like, yeah, you know, I don't really like the always online MMO forced multiplayer vibe, you know. Now I have to constantly fight not only the monsters, but ping and lag spikes. And he's like, but that's what I love about it. I love that it's an MMO. And I'm like, all right, cool. You're a weirdo. For the rest of us <laughs> in the world that, you know, that understand Diablo and what it's supposed to be, 
I've enjoyed Diablo 4 far less than I enjoyed Diablo 3. Now, that's not saying I don't enjoy Diablo 4. I do. I have a lot of fun playing it, but I would happily go back to Diablo 3. I think Season 1 has definitely had a couple of hiccups for D4, but uh, oh, yeah. I think with, with them, obviously... Bro, they higher... fired the dude that did the, the freaking season, okay? That's how bad it was. <laughs> which which is perfectly fair. Which is perfectly fair and understandable. But what I'm really excited for is the fact that they've gone and hired somebody new. There was that job posting, which we discussed, uh, I think it was about two or three weeks ago. And I'm just looking forward to what season two is going to to give us. I think that season one for D4 came out pretty quick. It was like a month after the game released. I think maybe some people weren't ready to let go of some characters and move over to seasonal. I was one of those. I was really enjoying my Necro, and now I'm playing the season. I mean, I can go back to the Necromancer, but it's not going to be as fun. But uh, yeah, so D3 looks like that season 29, it's final season before it gets sunset. And then I believe this, the previous season stuff is just going yeah. to like roll over. Yeah, if you're looking for something to go play, it sounds very promising. And also Necromancers were so much fun in D3. <laughs> Demon Hunter, oh, spin to win, baby. <laughs> uh, onwards, the multiplayer ghost hunting sensation that is and was Phasmophobia released, or rather received, its biggest update ever last night. Now, remember that this game is still in early access, so it's not even a complete game yet. So these kinds of updates, these overhauls, they they will they're likely to happen, you know, as they you know realize what works and, and what needs to change and whatever. They've changed so much about the game that all previous progression is being reset. Now, don't fret. You'll still have all of your unlocked maps and difficulties, but you'll start at level one all over again. They're going to give you like a little prestige badge to say, ooh, I played, you know, back then. But essentially, you're going to be restarting at level one. While the overall premise of the game remains the same, get some friends, grab your equipment, hunt the ghosty. Simple. Here are some of the changes you can expect from this new patch. Character and ghost models and animations are being revamped, which is dope. Like some of the character models and stuff, they look kind of blocky. There's some really weird movements. You could make your characters do some really strange things. So hopefully they've kind of smoothed that out a little bit. The truck is being overhauled. I didn't think it was that bad to begin with. So I'm pretty excited to see what they've done with it. Uh, there'll be new tasks and evidence to collect, new locations and interactions to explore, new weather and lighting effects and new ghost types to identify with new equipment to help you do so. Uh, additionally, equipment is going to be expanded to have three tiers across equipment types. So like your flashlight, you'll start with level one, and then you'll level it up to level two, which will be like more powerful in some way, shape, or form, and then you level it up again to level three. So every single equipment item will have three tiers. That takes it from 20 equipment items all the way up to 60. So there is so much that you can do now. Uh, as at recording which was on Wednesday. The full patch notes had not been released, but some of you, myself included, will have had about a day to check out um, the, the game already and see, you know, what, what all these updates look like. And while I'm sure by the time the episode releases, I will have had a ball trying everything out, as at recording, <laughs> I can say that I am incredibly excited to dive in. This is one of those games that, and this is going to maybe shock some people, maybe others it won't, I cannot play. And, and here's, here's, here's my reasoning, right? When it comes to spoopy games, the horror games, right? I I get too engrossed in the game that it becomes too scary for me, and I can't. I really can't. But give, give give yeah, very much. Oh, right. And there's all it's these so amazing horror. 
You see, people people are always like, oh, you're like, what about horror movies? I love horror movies. I can watch horror movies, horror flicks, all these, you know, these horrors and everything. No problem. But when it comes to a game, I just cannot because I get too, too engrossed. Um, there was a, a horror, uh, Layers of Fear. I couldn't get past like the first half an hour. It just freaked me out too much. I've never been able to play a Resident Evil game or Dino Crisis or any of those other games. I've watched people play them, which is fine. But the minute I play Silent Hill or anything, I cannot. I, I can't. It freaks me out. But having watched a lot of people play this, I've watched yourself stream it. I've watched some other friends stream it. It looks like a ton of fun. It definitely appeals to the people that really enjoy the spooky games. And... I'll be honest, the truck seemed very, very, very small. Um, I'm yeah. hoping that whatever the rehaul has, whatever they've decided to do, it improves the other gameplay. And I think a lot of people are going to be super excited for this. Bro, I just, you know what? If if you are scared, you can do what I usually do and you can just be on truck duty. So like, so you go in <laughs> at the start with everyone and you like set up all the equipment and stuff and then you come back and now, okay, now you've got to wait for the evidence to like, you got to wait for the ghost to blow out a candle or like set off the, you know, walk across the dots projector or whatever it is, right? So while you're waiting for all of that to happen, you've set up cameras everywhere. You'd be like, all right, guys, all of you go check to see if stuff has happened. I'll be here in the truck. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to look for like ghost orbs and like, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, I got you guys covered. Oh, your sanity, you, you know, your, your, your sanity is getting low. You got to come back and take a sanity pill. I got you, boo-boo. You know, just be command center. You'll be fine. You know what? That might actually be a way that I'll play the game. I'll just sit back and watch cameras. <laughs> It'll basically be like I'm at home watching movies anyway. Just sit back and, and watch because, yeah, it, it looks like, like I say, it definitely appeals to a certain crowd. It's not me, though. But I know that I've got some other friends that are super hyped for this. I know that you are, you would have played this already by you know the time the episode comes yeah. out. And uh, if it's being streamed, I'm definitely looking forward to watching some of that as well. A game that has been almost 17 years in the making has finally dropped a trailer. Uh, mythologically inspired action RPG Titan Quest has a sequel coming up, which was announced by published THQ uh, Nordic and developer Grimlaw Games. The game will take place in the same world of myth in ancient Greece, and the big bad is Nemesis, goddess of retribution. Filled with all the ARPG goodness, you'll slay centaurs, satyrs, harpies, sirens, etc. Um, you're going to be able to make your own class, which was the very same system that they used in Titan Quest 1, which you take two specializations and you kind of just make them your own class. It's really, really cool. Um, the trailer which was released is incredibly ama amazing. It's made me very hyped for this. There's no ETA or price as of yet, but it does look incredible on first glance. Now, we have been burnt in the past by games that look really good, and then <laughs> they're, they're not. But mm -hmm. if if they're following you know, a very similar structure to how Titan Quest 1 was, which I played, I, I never finished it, but I did play a lot of it. It was probably the first ARPG that I ever played before even like Diablo days and everything. But it's 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 a fun way. I really like the customization where you can go follow two kind of trees. You can go dual world and decide, you know what, I want to do a little bit of magic as well and go say, for example, lightning, you know, like mage or whatever the case is, and kind of combine the two and you've got this very unique class. So it, it, it gives a lot of customization like that. And there's multiple ways within the trees that at least in Titan Quest 1 had that you could follow, which, it, which, which gave a, a, a very nice feel of uniqueness, which I really enjoyed. Plus the story is really cool. I mean, who doesn't enjoy like Greek mythology? I must say like, so I never played the first Titan Quest. Uh, I would have been about mm -hmm. 13 
when it came out. And I only really seriously started gaming towards kind of my later teen years. So I didn't really play much at that age. So I never got around to this one. But it actually sounds really interesting. And, and 17 years in the making. You got to think it's got to be somewhat good, right? <laughs> like anything that yeah. takes 17 years to make. <laughs> well, well uh, high expectations I'm- at any rate. I mean, to be fair, it came out 17 years ago and there was always talk about a sequel. There was a lot of DLCs that they made, which expanded on a whole bunch of things. I think there was new specializations. There was um, additional quests and things that you could do. And the game was really challenging as well. I mean, okay, I last played it probably about 10 years ago. So it would take some remembering to go back. But it's also fairly cheap. Uh, It goes on sale often. So if you're looking for something just to bridge the gap between your games coming out or you just you know you're fed up of of your online games or you don't have friends around and you're not playing Baldur's Gate 3 like 800,000 odd people are at like any given time at this moment in time go and give this a try it's a, it was a really good game there's a lot of cheap DLC for it that expands the world Titan Titan Quest 2 coming out soon TM otherwise just buy it and stick it in your Steam library and let it sit there for <laughs> you know like, four years while you finish your queue exactly of 200 games or whatever the case is some people have oh this is a cool game i'll play this sometime three years later what is this game why do i have this game why is it there (laughs) story of my love speaking of stories if you're a fan of life is strange then this new game by the same devs probably isn't for you to be fair it's very different but (laughs) we can probably expect the same high quality and care as we've seen from them in the past Banishers Ghost of New Eden is available for pre-order ahead of its November 7 release date. Set in a fantastical reimagining of 17th century North America, the game follows dual protagonists and Tia and Red, romantic partners and ghost hunters. Sounds a bit like the Winchesters. Uh, On a quest to undo a tragic curse. While it's a major shift in gameplay and setting for Don't Nod, the studio behind this and Life is Strange, the game promises to include the story-rich experiences and branching dialogue choices that the studio is known for. The game is currently retailing for $60 on PC, pre-order of course, and $70 on console. But the good news for us South Africans is that due to Steam's regional pricing, we can grab the pre-order for 900 Rand, 899 to be specific, instead of 1,150 Rand. Every set counts, gamers. I've got pretty big hopes for for don't nod when it comes to their games right Mm. when they when they released life is strange i played it and i cried not once it was multiple times that i had cried it was a really well-written story-driven game it was phenomenal and then they had the other ones which was like life is strange before the storm uh life is strange 2 maybe not as good as the others um and then they've released life is strange 2 colors which is in my library i haven't played but richard aka frog boots he has been on my case to play the game it's really good and it'll definitely be one that i will play i didn't play the other game that they had published along with man we were just talking about it now before the podcast but there was that other game vampire which they developed Mm -hmm. and was published uh by a another company so i mean they have kind of branched out this does sound a lot like as you mentioned 17th century supernatural Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's the Winchesters, except that you're just going to be playing from the other aspect. You're not going to be playing as like a Sam and Dean, you know, the brothers. You're going to be playing Mary and John kind of thing, it almost yeah. feels like. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, uh, there was the, the series that came out about Mary and John, so whatever. I think that was called ha- the Winchesters, actually. <laughs> have, haven't watched that. I'm still, to this day, trying to get through Supernatural. I am on season 12, wow. though, which is... I'm, I'm getting there. I'm midway through season 12. It's get, 
I'm, I'm getting there. Don't worry. There's a okay. big backlog that I'm trying to okay. get through. But okay, yeah, boo -boo. It, <laughs> But it, it looks really cool. I like I like games that take you back, you know, back in the day, 17th century North America. It was probably times were probably simpler then. Yes, our life expectancy was severely lower than what it was, <laughs> but hey, it it just seemed like simpler times, you know. Uh, also, uh, I didn't actually specify this, but for anyone who was interested, it is an action RPG. So it will be the fighty, the stabby, the ghosty hunty, um, proper, like, not story, pick a thing, and then watch a cinematic. <laughs> that's that's pretty cool. A nice little ARPG. It looks it looks kind of fun. And I just hope that uh, Don't Nod, Don't Disappoint. None of the other games have really disappointed. So if trends continue, it will definitely be one to keep an eye out for. I have got a promising playable, but I'm taking people way, way, way back, right? Um, so thanks to Nag for making me aware of this, right? Because I had no clue at all. We have found another item that's going to be added to your ever-growing list of games to play. However, I think for a lot of people, this is going to shoot right near the top, if not the game that people are going to be playing. Quake 2 Remastered has officially been released and is available on Steam, GOG, Xbox, PlayStation, and even the Nintendo Switch. Let that sink in. It's, in, it's on the Nintendo Switch. If you already had the Quake 2 on your Steam or GOG or Microsoft Store library, don't worry, you're getting the remastered for free. Uh, the game is going to uh, feature classic uh, single-player campaigns and expansions and some other new stories which come along with the, uh, the remaster. Multiplayer is also a holy cross-play where you can play locally or online with up to 16 other fraggers. Now, bots are there and exist within the game that you can help fill the lobbies in case they're a little bit, uh, you know, empty, or maybe you just want to try some things out. Some of the game modes that are going to be in here is going to be team deathmatch, the typical deathmatch, which is just your, you know, one versus everybody else, and the classic capture the flag, which is going to be there. It was a pretty big thing. A lot of the esports around uh, Quake 2 uh, was also around the capture the flag so really really cool in in total the remastered version includes the single player campaign 51 expansion missions 22 deathmatch maps and quake 64 to boot um, so if you don't have it it'll be around ten dollars only or your local currency equivalent or just download it on xbox game pass because it's there thanks bethesda for doing something cool and a lot of people that got into gaming through quake and stuff it's going to be right for them, you know. Uh, I know a lot of the esports guys here in South Africa, um, Xtremes. I know Hayes has done a quite a bit of casting and things. They all love Quake. I think this is going to be a big kick back into it. People are going to be playing a lot of Quake 2 uh, as people wait for other games like CS2, etc. This actually kind of brings us back to the discussion that we were having some time ago about like game remasters and could you please just make a new game? I think that some games, and I think we did say this, like some games there is a bit of an exception. Some games that have deep nostalgia attached to them, games that have been kind of gateways. Like for example, when they did a remake of Diablo 2, I was really, really excited. Okay, they did bring out a new game, so they did both. Well done, Blizzard. And it was a little bit of a money grub. But Diablo 2 was one of the very first real, genuine, honest-to-God gamer games that I ever played. And what do I mean by that? Like, I'll, I'll never look at a game and go, well, that's not a real game. But, I mean, I used to play things like The Sims, you know? And so mm -hmm. Diablo was the first, I suppose, gritty game that I ever played. And it's basically what started me on my path. Diablo got me into World of Warcraft. World of Warcraft got me into Overwatch. Overwatch got me into Valorant, got me into CS. So uh, I can basically trace my entire, not only my career, but my entire gaming history back to Diablo 2. 
So when the remake came out, that was amazing to me. It was one of the coolest things that had happened. I instantly went and bought it. I played the hell out of it. It was so much fun. So I think that for a lot of people, Quake is going to be similar. I mean, you were saying it, right? I see it all the time on my timeline as well, on my Twitter feed, people talking about Quake, talking about how it was kind of the OG um, eSport in a, in a way. It was kind of mm. a gateway for a lot of people. So this is cool. Th this gets the remake pass. You're allowed Bethesda. Yeah. Uh, whilst you're clearly not working on Skyrim 6, you know, and you're doing all these other remasters, we'll forgive you because this is a really good remaster. So, yeah, if if you want to get it and you're in South Africa, it's 150 Rand on the store. It's dirt cheap. Or if you have the Xbox Game Pass, it's there for you. Or if you already own Quake 2, don't worry. it'll You've got Quake 2 remastered now there and ready for you. So go and check it out. Go and run around, you know, shooting, uh, you know, frag grenades and all the, and all the other really high-paced. It, it's actually too fast of a game for me. I think that's just my age now. <laughs> but very much. I, I feel like I'm becoming a boomer gamer. But uh, yeah, Quake 2 Remastered out on almost everything. Right, so that rounds up our headlines. Now we can get into our special mentions which is the news that we didn't get a chance to dive into, but is still worth mentioning. First up, Sony has filed a patent for new MMO server tech. They may be developing advanced MMO server technology, possibly indicating a move into the genre. So Blizzard President says, wait for Diablo 5, won't be as long as Diablo 4. Seems very early to be thinking about a fifth installment, but very exciting nonetheless, especially for us diehard fans of the series, except Immortal. We do not talk about Diablo Immortal. Mm -mm, never happened. Rainbow Six Siege is getting a new Korean operator named Ram. And as her name suggests, she's all about destruction rather than self, with a kit designed to destroy walls, bust through barricades, and wreck defense traps. Her drone can destroy deployable shields and castle barricades while ignoring electrified barbed wire. And though bulletproof, it can be stopped with an impact grenade or C4. Sounds like a strong addition to the already dynamic roster of operators. Microsoft and Sony have finally reached a deal for the future of Call of Duty. The game is set to remain available on the PlayStation, which I'm sure is a huge relief for many of the fans of the series, pretty much for its entirety of its lifetime. Devs clap back. So many devs buckle to pressure from fans and players, but these devs have not so kindly told their fans to wind their necks in. Uh, Harada told fans disappointed the Tekken 8 will not have Denuvo to stop your tedious allergic reactions to every single thing and sit quietly. While Remnant 2 devs uh, tells players moaning about the apocalypse difficulty that the mode is not called I got three orange slices and a medal for participation. These headlines absolutely made my day. <laughs> Good on you, devs. Good on you. Uh, Assassin's Creed Mirage has already gone gold, which means that the game's launch version is finished. Fans waiting for this new installment of the Assassin's Creed series will be happy to hear that the release date is being pulled forward one week, with the new launch date being slated for 5th of October. Genshin Impact fans are unhappy with the size of the 4.0 update. While a 32 gigabyte update might not seem like much to us PC gamers, especially those who just got Baldur's Gate and have a save folder of about a billion gigabytes, this game is also played to a large degree on mobile. 32 gigabytes on a mobile device is heavy, and while the update is robust, bringing, it with, it, uh, bringing with it a ton of new content, it just isn't feasible for the average mobile gamer. If you're a mobile Genshin player, make sure to check the space on your phone before you download that update. 32 gigs is 
mess for a mobile game. <laughs> for those South Park fans, South Park are releasing a new game, but supposedly this one is not a turn-based RPG like its predecessors in The Stick of Truth and The Fractured Butthole. Uh, South Park Snow Day is a game about the wonders of a snow day, a day in which the schools are closed due to excessive snow. We aren't really familiar with that concept here in South Africa, but I assume, you know, to you guys, it's a thing up north. Anyway, in true South Park fashion, this game is not pure whimsy and snow-filled delight. Fireballs are falling from the sky, Cartman appears to be conjuring arcane missiles, and it looks like demons or aliens or something is roaming the, uh, the burning, blood-soaked streets of South Park. Uh, butchering children with infernal weapons. The children also seem to be beating each other bloody with makeshift weapons of their own. It's not a typical snow day then, but I guess that's really par for the course when it comes to South Park. I think if it was just like a normal, delightful little magical game, no one would want to play it. Uh, in my opinion, I know a lot of people. Like, this is causing such dissension on Twitter right now, and it's amazing. The latest Counter-Strike 2 update is seeing a change in matchmaking. Competitive will now be a first to 13 rounds akin to Valorant, its biggest competitor, instead of 16, which will significantly shorten match lengths, but is a big concern, uh, or rather a big concern has been the fact that the current economy of CS is way too punishing for that and will make comebacks incredibly difficult. As CS2 is still in closed beta, we'll wait to pass judgment until everything is announced as this is surely something that Valve will be addressing in the future as well. And something that I did find out from like one of the OG esports people. He's like, it originally was first to 13 and it was changed to first to 16 due to an, uh, an economy bug which hasn't existed in the game for years. So this is like a welcome change for some, but for others, they think that it's going to like, you know, decrease the excitement of like those big major comebacks, which I disagree with, but there you go. So we've got some news nobody's going to care about. Oh, there's going to be a select group that are really going to be excited about this. People with so, too much money. <laughs> very much. It just seems like the last few weeks, our news nobody cares about has been very, very, very expensive. However, this is slightly more palatable from the massive iPhone to the MTG card and everything, and now to this. So if you've ever watched the movie franchise Alien, then this is probably going to be up your alley, right? You can now own a 1.2 meter tall DIY xenomorph. Or yes, you know, big aliens with the alien mouth in the inside. You can own one of these. So a faithful recreation of the xenomorph from Ridley Scott's film is now available for you to purchase. Um, Agora Models is the company behind this. And the pictures of the, the finished models look amazing. The model will include 600 individual pieces and will come out with a moving head that will turn to follow sound and a jaw which will open to reveal the inner mouth. The model is currently available via a monthly subscription service with a pack of pieces to put together being sent to you every month for a whole year. And the, the first one is going to set you back, the first box at least, is going to set you back $75. Thereafter, $150 each month for 11 months. That's $1,725 for this beautiful model that won't eat your guests either. So thanks, Nag, for showing me this. I just need to now try and find a way to justify this to my wife to say, hey, look, we need to get a 1.2 meter xenomorph. And where do you put it? Do you put it in the bedroom? Do you put it in the, uh, uh, in the office? Do you put it in the kitchen, in the lounge? There's all these other questions that are going to start being asked. But a 1.2 meter tall xenomorph is so freaking cool. Bro thought that like my scooby-doo 
you know, magazine thing back in the day was expensive. Does anybody remember those? There was like this magazine that you could get and then in, in the magazine it would come with like a pack of cards and it, the mm. one came with like a mystery machine tin and so all of your cards would go in the tin and there was like a big fold-out yes. map thing and you could like tick off all the cards that you got. I really yeah. wanted to collect that and then after like four or five, my parents were like, no, this is too expensive. And I think back then it was like 50, 60 rand a, 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 an issue, which was quite a lot when I was like, we're, we're talking like 20 odd years ago, people. Ooh, um, many years ago. I thought ago. that was expensive. All right, $150 per month. And I get it, it's a 600 piece. But friends, I cannot finish a 300 piece puzzle. All right, I don't have the time. <laughs> I don't have the patience. Also, also opens if like, okay, so you get the first box and you start putting stuff together. Cool, dope, Gucci. You get the next box, but like the box comes with like, so like these pieces are for this part and these pieces are for this part and they don't actually go together. So now you have like 16 bundles of pieces of a xenomorph lying around your house somewhere waiting for the full year to go by so that you can actually freaking construct it. Nah, fam. I mean, I, I think it's a really cool concept, but I think in practice for me, I know a lot of people will disagree and they'll be like, oh my God, puzzles of my life. Oh my God, I have $1,750 just lying around. Oh my God my thing and that's fine um but for me i feel like i'm always the naysayer in these things but like bro bro it's so much money <laughs> however it is a 1.2 meter tall xenomorph which Who is what's a 1.2 freak- meter xenomorph me i want one <laughs> i want one to put somewhere in the house i don't know where but we will find a place maybe maybe and this is a big thing for me i will maybe move my golf clubs away to put the xenomorph Ooh. behind me However, that might also be creepy because especially like late at night, you're like, oh, you want to go and there's going to be LED lights that are going to be in the mouth and things is going to like open up. Now imagine I'm busy walking, you know, maybe I've had a couple of drinks while playing games and all of a sudden I walk past and this xenomorph lights up with a, uh, it probably will freak me out. But either way, I really, really want one. It'll be a very expensive thing to punch if you do get a fright walking past the late at night though. <laughs> Oh, nay, brother. Nay. Well, that about rounds up on using gaming this week. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode 18 of your week in gaming. And a big shout out to our friends over at Esports Central for partnering with us on this podcast. You can find us on X, which is kind of how everything has been renamed now. Even the links go to X um, at YWIG Podcast or by email at yourweekingamingpodcast at gmail.com. I'm Andrew, and you can find me on My Name is Pengu. I have found a way around this whole X Twitter shenanigan. You can find me on all major social media sites at Nari Mizuki. I really, really, really want to get you to say X one day. I need to somehow find a way to get it. Yeah, it's not happening. Our next episode will be out on Friday, 25 August 2023 at 7 a.m. Happy birthday, future Sam. It'll be out at 7 a.m. GMT plus two and across all major podcast platforms. We'll see you next week. Bye.